You're listening to the Dogaritaville Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode 10 of the Dogaritaville Podcast. Today we are talking about communicating with our dogs and we are drinking holiday-themed margaritas, part two. <laughs> Wait, I really like the holidays. Uh, for every episode, each of us does our best to create a delicious margarita around our theme. We post the recipes on Instagram so you can try them at home. Uh, you can let us know if you have an idea for a theme, and we will try our best to do it. Although I will say somebody sent me horchata margaritas yesterday, and I just... Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it did look good, but I don't eh. um, But yeah, let us know if you have an idea for a theme. Even if we don't think it sounds good, we'll probably still try it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, eventually we're going to run out, right? Exactly. No, we're. I'm putting horchata on the list. Uh, <laughs> our recipes always differ, so you will have some variety to choose from. And before we get started, before I forget, we need to shout out our very first Patreon supporter, Gentry Noel. Thank you, Gentry. Oh, Gentry. So here's an anecdote about that. <laughs> <laughs> Laura and I took a poll on Instagram to feel out how many people might sign up if we were to make a Patreon. And we got a pretty good turnout of people who said that they would and haven't yet. Um, and then she, there was she's one. She's not bitter. It's okay. There was one vote that was no. No, I will not pay for that service. Not in a million billion years. <laughs> and that vote was from Gentry Noel, who is now our only Patreon supporter. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is about communication, which is a fun one because there are a lot of misconceptions surrounding dog communication. So in our first segment, we are going to explain why communication is important with our dogs. In segment two, we'll explain how to understand our dog's communication to us. And then we'll end the episode by talking about how we can be the most effective communicators to our dogs. Yeah, so this is a big one because uh, almost everybody has trouble with it. Almost every single client I have, I have to correct for yelling commands at the back of their dog's head <laughs> or across the room yelling commands. And it's like, um, how, how, how do you think this is going to work? So first and foremost, just communication is a two-way street. Dogs are living creatures. They do not exist solely to respond to our commands, especially when they're not acknowledging us in any way or they're across the room or they're doing something. <laughs> like if you talk to your spouse that way, you would get bitch slapped. So just don't do it. <laughs> Um, Note for Lara's future husband. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they exist. But if you do, just note. But yeah, it's important for us to listen to them just as much as it is for them to listen to us. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't take into consideration. They communicate to us a lot. They do. Uh, just most people don't realize that. Yeah. Um, so just be cognizant of that. And I think, honestly, I think if you're thinking about your dog in terms of communication at all, you're already ahead of the game. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, most people, they just don't even think about it. They're like, what do you mean I can't tell my dog to sit when it's across the room staring away from me? 
And it's and like get mad when it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Like, well, um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to tell you this. So one of the biggest misconceptions about dog communication is that certain forms of it are bad. But listen up. It's all good. Communication is good because it tells us what's going on for the dog. And it's important for us to know what's happening internally for our dog because, like Laura said, it's a living creature who has preferences and needs and impulses and likes and dislikes. And knowing what's happening internally for the dog is the only way to take good care of your dog because if you don't know what's going on, you can't help. You can't care for that. So if you want your dog to suppress everything about itself and just be happy all the time, I cannot stress this enough. You are not the right fit for a dog, which is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Any dog ever. (laughs) It just becomes not fine if you then get a dog. So uh, you need to be able to handle your dog having feelings and preferences and boundaries and emotions and expressing those via communication to you. Yeah, so I think that's just basically what we mean by that is like you have obviously a laundry list of things that you want or need from your dog and just be understanding that they have a list too. (laughs) Like, yeah, they don't speak English, so they can't tell us what that list is. But like, oh, I have kids, so I want my kids to be able to crawl all over my dog. And it's like, well, that doesn't set a very good precedent. But if your dog tells you it doesn't want that, you can't force that. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, if you do, that's cool to an extent because it's like, holy shit, your dog tolerates a lot. But it's also like your kid's going to do that to the wrong dog someday. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, So it's just a bad thing to teach your kids, honestly. But regardless of that, like when your dog tells you it doesn't like something, you need to listen. When your dog tells you something makes it nervous, things like that, we think that we can create this magic creature that (laughs) will do everything we want, everything we say, and tolerate everything we want it to tolerate. And it's like, no, if your dog has never been around kids, yeah, sometimes you might get lucky and it might just be good with kids, but chances are it's going to be like, what the hell are these small things? Like, you have to take that into consideration. And even a dog who does grow up socialized with kids is not necessarily going to enjoy everything a child will do to it. (laughs) So they might be able to tolerate, you know, kids running around and playing or something. But not every dog, even if they're socialized really young, is going to tolerate a child crawling all over or getting in its face or whatever it is. And it could be anything. I mean, kids are a really easy example because I feel like that's something that most people understand. Yeah. But also, I mean, it's the same with like other dogs or cats or places. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, your dog has feelings about things and you need to take that into consideration. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes it's something stupid and simple. Like, we talked about uh, last episode, I think, with like flooring changes. Like, oh, this different type of flooring makes my dog nervous. And it's like, yeah, that's that's not a huge ordeal. You could probably get them over that. But you have to acknowledge it and work through it. You can't just be like, get on the damn floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. So it's just you have to take that into consideration and really remind yourself that like, hey, my dog doesn't speak English. They can't say, excuse me, mom, but I'm uncomfortable. Can you please help me? I mean, they are saying that, but you might not recognize it. <laughs> right. <laughs> So it's just take that into consideration and really pay attention to your dog. Yeah. And a a really good example of excellent dog communication that humans tend to hate is growling. When dogs growl, people panic. (laughs) Like they absolutely panic. They think their dog is being aggressive and that the growling needs to be punished. 
but it's really just the opposite. If a dog is growling, that means that he's trying to avoid being aggressive. So he's giving a warning that he's feeling unsafe or uncomfortable, and he's saying that if things don't change, he will need to resort to something more drastic in order to achieve that safety and that comfort. So if we punish the growling, we effectively get rid of a warning signal. We don't get rid of whatever was happening for the dog internally to make him uncomfortable. We just remove his ability to tell us that he's not okay. And if he's not telling us that he's not okay, then we can't help him to be okay. And if he doesn't warn us with the growl that he's not okay, then he becomes a dog who bites without warning you. And that is worse than a dog who growls. You have to think of it as communication and not just instinctively be like, excuse me? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, it is, it is really tricky and it's very situational how to respond to it. Yeah. Uh, and I would bet that most of the people listening to this podcast don't know how to respond to it because, like I said, I'm not even the best at responding to it necessarily because my instinct is just like, excuse me? Uh, (laughs) and it's so situational that it's like you have to almost take a second and like unpack what happened and then reapproach, right yeah um so it's it's definitely tricky and we won't go into it but yeah it's definitely communication (laughs) and it definitely shouldn't be punished well and i'll bring up the example of kids again because i this (laughs) this is where growling comes up a lot honestly and then people want to punish their dog because it's scary to have a dog growl at your child i totally get that but a lot of the time people panic because their dog is growling at their kid and they think that they need to correct that dog so that he doesn't growl at the kid anymore because to the to the human the growl looks like the bad action when in fact the growl is preceding the bad action (laughs) But what's actually happening usually is the kid is most likely not respecting the dog's boundaries or is making the dog very uncomfortable and the dog is trying to solve that problem without hurting the kid. And so in that moment, we need to teach our kid about boundaries or body language and how to respect the dog in his space. And it's not okay to force our dog to engage in that uncomfortable situation and then punish his communication about how uncomfortable he is. So that's when it's important to take that communication and back off. You know, sometimes it's resource guarding or whatever, and you do need to fix it. But, like, it's not the growl that's the problem. Yeah. So I feel like, too, this is where we get into people think dogs are, like, their accessories. Your dog is not an accessory that you get to pick and choose its personality traits. (laughs) So whether or not you made a bad decision in getting this dog that you wanted to be one thing is now a different thing, that's none of my business. (laughs) <laughs> but you do have, you do have to understand that that's maybe not the dog that you had or you know there will be situations that we want to change a dog's mind about something like you like like I said if you want your dog to be bomb proof with kids and now it's growling at a kid obviously there's 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 something we need to change whether it's the dog's mind or the situation i mean again it's all situational so it's kind of hard to have a a specific thing but you know if your dog is growling at your kid over a bone we obviously need to work with either one separating them and they just we'd avoid that situation or working with them on their like minute resource guarding right It's totally situational. There's going to be different ways to deal with different situations. But the important takeaway that we're trying to give you right now is if you need your dog to be bomb-proof with kids, punishing their communication does not create a bomb-proof dog with kids. It creates a dog who is not going to warn you before it bites your kid's face off. That's what you're creating. Yeah. Well, and it's not only creating that, but it's also creating a worse response because then it gets in fucking trouble every time the kid is around. Yeah. 
so we want to make sure, one, that we're not shutting down that line of communication, but two, that we're not also making a negative association. So I think the whole point of our segment one here about why communication is important, I don't think that we need to talk about why communication from us to our dogs is important because we are we already know that. We're already like, we want our dogs to do, yeah. you know, Genera- X, Y, Z. Generally, people <laughs> go overboard with it. I don't think we need to. <laughs> right. But it's important to know that your dog is communicating with you and it's it's important to listen. And if, I mean, I think this podcast is turning out to be about kids, which neither of us have and neither of us like, but like, (laughs) but like, if you think about, you know, if you have a toddler or something, like you have to meet those, the toddler's needs before you can expect it to like stop crying or play nicely or whatever it is. You know, if he's hungry, if he's tired, if he's poopy or whatever it is, he's not going to be a nice toddler. And so we like, we understand that with our kids, like that we need to meet certain needs and listen to their communication to us before we can expect anything from them but with our dogs it's like we think that we just bought a fluffy robot well and i would almost uh i mean kids make good examples as far as like listening to communication but as far as like the relationship i would almost i would relate it more to like a spouse or something because Again, if you talk to your spouse that way, like you're just barking commands when they're not paying attention, they're going to be like, dude, what? What do you What is your deal? But if you're like, hey, can you do this uh, or something or like, hey, how was your day? Can you do this? Is going to get a much different <laughs> response and like go to the goddamn grocery store when they're right. just walked in the door. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a very big difference in that. And I mean, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a relationship, right? Like, they need things from you. You need things from them. It's if either one of you break down, it's not going to go well. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So it's it's just something to think about uh, because most people don't think about that. They're like, oh, it's just my dog. It lives in my house. That's its whole life. It does what I want when I want. Yeah. That covers why it's important to be looking out for communication from our dogs and to be paying attention to it and acknowledging it and taking care of them. So we will take a break here. When we get back, we're going to talk about how to understand our dog's communication to us. Margarita check. Laura, how did you make your holiday margarita? I didn't. so because i fucking love christmas and i love eggnog and i don't hang out with people or go to parties i've never had (laughs) spiced eggnog or spiked eggnog or whatever you want to call it um so i really wanted to do that and i did (laughs) so i went rogue and it almost bit me in the ass because it was a whole to do i had to go to the liquor store i was already late they keep their cognac under cognac? Yeah. Cognac? Which, by the way, is really bougie. Who knew? Who knew? Lara. I just, lo- I just looked up a recipe. Laura Murkovich, bougie bitch. <laughs> um, anybody that knows me is laughing real hard at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a whole to-do, and I was getting pretty upset and annoyed, and then... <laughs> I tasted it and no regrets because this is fucking delightful. Good. So all the recipes are for like pitchers, which is kind of frustrating, but I'm not mad about it at this point. (laughs) So it was one quart eggnog, which I love. 
and four ounces rum, uh, dark rum. I don't know if there's a distinction there. I just got Captain Morgan, so I don't know. <laughs> there is a distinction, and I'm pretty sure I think Captain Morgan is spiced rum, but that's probably well, I, just but as I, good. doesn't spiced rum sound better with eggnog? I mean, I think it's good. Because I almost got the Kraken, which was black spiced rum. And I was like, well, mm. that's darker. Uh, <laughs> and it was Kraken, so I got excited. And they had cute little bottles. Because uh, <laughs> whenever we do specialty shit like this, I just get the tiny bottles. Not the, like, airport bottles, but the, like, fifths or whatever. The cognac was not available in a fifth. I'll say that. <laughs> cognac. Hope you I like keep it. keep saying cognac. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, it's delightful in this. The rest of the bottle will probably sit on my counter for the rest of my life. But so yeah, it's one quart eggnog, four ounces dark rum, three ounces cognac, ground cinnamon, ground nutmeg, and then a cinnamon stick for garnish. So actually pretty easy. I just don't have liquor in my house except for tequila. And was that just like mixed or shaken or poured over ice or anything? Um, so because it's like a pitcher type situation and... I'm not allowed in the kitchen, so I don't have any pitcher type situations. <laughs> I just did it in a large bowl. Uh, <laughs> like, a, like a punch bowl. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just whisk, I whisked it. Are you drinking it with ice or anything? No, ice and eggnog doesn't sound like a, a combination I would enjoy. Really? Huh. No, and I'd put ice on everything. The fact that you don't put ice in most of your drinks drives me insane. <laughs> like what sort of european bullshit is this well it's cold i just don't put ice in it i shake it with ice nope not the same it's gotta have ice but i get like iced eggnog lattes at christmas you know oh yeah i'll do that, that just ice like in it. at home i don't put ice in it <laughs> okay i would never although to be fair i really like eggnog so most of the time i'm just drinking it out of the container <laughs> <laughs> i live alone leave me alone but you actually did a real margarita? I did, yeah. I don't know what sugar plum means, so. Yeah, so I just know that, like, you know, there's, like, the sugar plum fairy and the nutcracker, so that seemed Christmassy to me. Um, sure. What I didn't know until I Googled it is that a sugar plum is, like, a candy. So. What what did you think it was? A plum, like a, a kind of plum. Oh. Oh. So this is not truly a, like, Christmas sugar plum margarita, but it is a... <laughs> It's a margarita that has plum and sugar in it. So <laughs> this is, I'm calling it my sugar plum vision. I mean, I didn't even have tequila. So <laughs> I think we've, I think we've just gone off the rails for this holiday. <laughs> so I did three ounces of tequila, uh, three quarters ounce triple sec, two juice limes. And then I made homemade plum syrup, which turned out much Jesus. better than my homemade blackberry syrup. <laughs> One, how did you even have time? Didn't you just get home like today? I got home yesterday. Oh. I did make this. I I made the plum syrup like two hours ago. So how does one make syrup? Well, I just put plums and water and sugar in a saucepan and boiled it until it tasted like plum syrup. (laughs) Well, there you go. I mean, like I said, I'm not allowed in the kitchen, so I wouldn't know. (laughs) But sure. it's really yummy. And so I, I used about an ounce and a half of that. I So, so I, are you kind of using it like in lieu of agave? Yeah. It's the sweetener. Okay. So this is my second one, full disclosure. I'm 
not sober right now. <laughs> um, and in my first one, I just did three quarters of an ounce of the plum syrup, but it was very, very tart. I still drank it. I liked it. But I did twice as much for the second one. So I did an ounce and a half of homemade plum syrup. And then I shook that and strained it over ice. And then I did a heavily sugared rim for my Instagram photo because it looked like frosty Christmas time. <laughs> it was a good photo. Yeah, it's very pretty. So in the last segment, we talked about why it's important to listen to our dog's communication. So in this segment, we are going to explain how to tell what a dog is communicating to us. And one of the ways that dogs communicate with us is their body language. So as a general rule, and we've talked about this in a previous episode, but dog dog body language will look different dog to dog and breed to breed, but there are some general rules that you can look out for. And one of those general rules is if a dog is loose and wiggly, they're happy. And if they're stiff, they might be playing, but usually like stiff is not a good sign. And dogs will tell us they're uncomfortable in in a few different ways. So shallow panting is one of those ways. And if you have seen your dog pant like really hard after a good long walk or something, it's not that, not that kind of panting. It's like a shallow panting. The tongue is still sort of inside the mouth and the lips are pulled back pretty far. And that's this kind of panting that's like, I don't like this. I'm a little uncomfortable. And with that comes lip licking usually, uh, lifting a paw can signal discomfort and and Lara pointed out, just kind of in between segments, so it's not going to be in the episode, but Lara pointed out, like, it's not like every time your dog licks its lips or lifts its paw or pants that it's upset, but these are things to look for for discomfort. So it's important to know that sometimes these things mean your dog is uncomfortable. So sometimes it's like your German sh- short hair pointer is pointing at something when it lifts its paw, but like a lot of times lifting the paw is like, I don't know about this. Yeah. And then other things to look out for are like side eye. Like if your dog kind of turns his head away and looks at you out of the side of his eye, he's usually not super comfortable with what's happening. So those are a few of the just kind of basic discomfort signals for a dog. One of the reasons that I don't really go over dog body language with clients too much or just people in general too much is because unless you have really studied it or really learned it, like my little tidbits aren't going to get you very far other than just miscommunicating, in my opinion. And most trainers will probably not agree with that. But again, if I tell you that like, oh, they need to be loose or if they're they're not lip licking or they're not yawning or whatever, then it's like you're going to misconstrue a lot of situations because you just know that one little tidbit and you don't actually know dog body language, Right. Sure, but like in your in your specific uh, lessons with clients, you probably show. I'll them point like, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll point it out. Like, okay, you see how he's doing that in this situation. This means this. Like, so one of the big things that we talk about a lot is the shake off. So normally, and again, normally we're working with reactive dogs. So like, if we have a, a we're on a walk and we have some sort of explosion or so, or or we see another dog and we don't we don't explode or whatever usually within a couple minutes after that eventually they'll shake it off right and so i always say hey when they shake like that they're releasing tension yeah um so like i will point out small things like that but i just i don't like to go too in detail with like oh their eyes mean this and their ears mean that and blah 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 because i i feel like more often than not it's just going to lead to a miscommunication but there are some things that are are good, like 
Peter yawns a lot when people are over because people make him nervous. And so like he'll be he'll just be laying on the couch and he seems fine and nobody's worried about it. But I'm like, oh, he's yawned like eight times. (laughs) Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And it depends on the dog. And if you know your dog really well, then obviously it's easier to pick up on their specific cues. But just I wouldn't go too overboard because I feel like, too, I get clients that are like, oh, well, he did this. What does that mean? I'm like, I don't know, bro. Like, he's just moving. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> uh, just one thing I thought was really cool. I think you were there. I think it was that session with Danny uh, at the park when he literally, it was so funny. He, like, had us walk up to and away from a dog. And you could, every time you would walk yeah. up, their mouth would close. And every time yeah. you'd walk away, they'd open and start, like, relaxing. And he's like, yeah, when their mouth is closed, they're generally a little tense. Yep. But again, I'm not going to say that to a client because they're like, oh, well, its mouth is closed all the time. And I'm like, well, yeah, because it's just existing. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's but that's not this situation. But it's important to know for like, especially if you do have a reactive dog or maybe a dog who has just started growling in your house and you're not sure why, like you can, if you're watching for it, you can see what is going to lead up to that growl. So mm-hmm. like if you're on a walk with your dog a lo- and closing the mouth is usually one because if you're on a walk, your dog is usually open mouth panting. And yep. so the one of the first things that usually happens is your dog closes its mouth and that will happen long before it starts barking at another dog. Or even uh, what what I see more than that even, although I don't really pay attention to that, so maybe I'm missing it and maybe I should check that out, but um, is the ears. Yeah. The ears go up and their whole body stiffens, right? Yep. And so you know, I mean, if if you're accustomed to your dog's language, you know when it's time to turn around before they start reacting because exactly. you can see it kind of coming. Yeah, like Laura said, it's not that every time your dog yawns or licks its lips or whatever that things are bad, but those are things to kind of look out for. If there are things going on in your house and you're like, my dog all of a sudden is growling and I don't know what's going on, start to look for when your dog does those sorts of things as well because he might be telling you a lot of things before he starts growling at you and you've just missed it. Yeah, I mean, you have to contextualize everything, right? Yeah. So sometimes sometimes your dog is just yawning. <clears throat> But there is also a nervous yawn. Dogs yawn when they're nervous. That doesn't mean every time they yawn they're nervous, but it is something that they do when they're nervous. Right. <laughs> it's And that's why I try not to go too far into it. I mean, it's a good thing to know in certain situations, but... Uh, so I wrote down a couple of misconceptions about dog body language. The first thing I wrote down is that licking is affectionate. Sometimes it is, but it is not always. And... Again, we're bringing back up kids again, but this is often misconstrued as affection, especially between dogs and kids, because children are not good at giving dogs space and boundaries in general, and dogs will often lick to try to get the child to move away, but we see it as this affectionate, like, oh, he's giving you kisses, and so then the kid will push right through those boundaries, and bad things will happen. So that's the first misconception I wrote down. And then the the second misconception that I wrote down is dogs do not put their paws on you to dominate you. So I remember going to a friend's house in third grade, so 20 years ago, and their beautiful yellow lab put a paw up on me. And I was so happy. I was like, oh, she likes me. And my friend's dad was like, she's dominating you. Don't let her do that. And even at (laughs) nine years old, I was like, that's fucking ridiculous, dude. Like, she likes me. So those are my two misconceptions about dog body we, language that I thought were important to note. I feel like we should just do a dominance episode. 
That would be a four-hour-long episode, and you would not get a word in edgewise. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was just thinking about that, like, of, like, dogs going through doorways first and dogs standing on top of you and blah, blah, blah. Like, Peter is the most insecure dog I've ever met. If you look at him the wrong way, he panics. <laughs> like, <laughs> but if I'm laying on the couch, he likes to come stand on my chest. And it's not – he's not trying to dominate me. He's terrified of me 90% of the time. <laughs> He's not actually scared of me, but <laughs> uh, but like that, he just likes to do that because he knows if he stands there, I'll scratch his chest. He knows that's like the prime spot to get what he wants, which is for me to scratch his chest. <laughs> uh, and Charlie knows he's not allowed to jump on people, but <laughs> so <laughs> he knows he's not allowed to climb on people like he wants. So he does this weird thing <laughs> where he like. I call it the seal, but he, like, he puts his head on you and then slides, so his legs stay like on the couch or whatever, but all of his body weight is on you, and it's like he's just like using all his body weight into his neck to lay on you. It's the most adorable thing. That's uh, really cute. <laughs> it's really cute. It's like a weighted blankie. Uh, <laughs> Charlie is not trying to dominate me. He, that's I mean, he's just he snuggles that's i mean that's yeah. just what he does i feel like i i guess we don't want to go too far into this but the other number one way that i hear dominance is with humping other dogs oh yes 99 percent of the time dogs hump other dogs because they're unsocialized and they don't know what else to do yes or your leg even like, they're not trying to dominate you if they're humping your leg. Yeah. They don't think you're weak. Yeah. <laughs> That's – But it's So like- I had a, a phone call with a potential client today who did, who did schedule a session, but she was talking about how, like, someone told her that because her dog humps her but nobody else, the dog has identified her as the weakest person in the family. Oh, I was Jesus. like, no. <laughs> You probably make your dog the most excited. Like, he's probably most happy to see you, and he just doesn't know what to do with his energy. I hear about that a lot from other people. I, I don't think I've ever had a dog that has humped people, as a client or otherwise. I've seen it a couple times. Yeah, I think uh, somebody else had a dog. Like, she almost had to leave the house. He w- Like, his dew claws left scratches all over her was how bad he, like, he would not stop humping her. Oh, my God. Yeah. She went for a, a training session and this dog just like went nuts humping her. Like they couldn't get him. Off. Like she was like choking him out trying to get him off and he just wouldn't. Wow. She had scratches all over. It was crazy. And I was like, bro, I never. <laughs> Are you familiar with the comedy stylings of John Mulaney? No. Okay. He's a stand-up comedian. And so this is going to be more backstory than you need, but I'm drunk right now. This is where my mind is. <laughs> So we're doing it. Scott and I were watching this show called The Haunting of Bly Manor during October because I like spooky stuff during October. And there's this ghost who's called the Lady in the Lake. And she walks around in the middle of the night and kills people. Like you do. And I'm not afraid of that in my own house because I've lived here for a year and a half and I know that she doesn't live here. But (laughs) when I was in Arizona, I was like, maybe she lives here. And I got scared (laughs) at night. And so when I was going to sleep, (laughs) when I was going to sleep at night, I put on some comedy specials to like fall asleep to. 
And one of them was John Mulaney. And I was cracking up during this one scene because he was like, he has this little French bulldog and they needed to get a trainer for her. And the trainer was like, oh, your bulldog has identified you. Like she's taken over your place as the alpha male. And so you have to eat dinner before she does. And he was like, she eats dinner at five o'clock. I'm not going to eat dinner at 445. And so he's like, so now what I do every day is I get a bowl down from the cupboard at 445. And just with a spoon, I'm like, mmm, dinner. <laughs> like before he feeds his dog dinner. Oh, God. I was dying. I thought that was the most hysterical thing. That's the dumbest <laughs> shit I've ever heard in my life. If you want to hear a shit talk Victoria Stillwell, buy our treat pouch. <laughs> So this really got away from us. (laughs) But basically, your dog is communicating with you. So let's try to think of some other ways. So we've got body language. Um, Other ways that they communicate with you is... is, So originally, I thought that Laura had written this down as a dog body or a dog communication thing, but she meant it as a human communication thing. But energy, I think that's a good one because if your dog... I mean, they're not necessarily communicating to you that they're not in the headspace to do certain things, but that's what you can ascertain. Like, if their energy is super high or super chaotic, we're not ready to go do a reactive walking session, or we might not be ready to do a training session or whatever it is. And so if your dog is acting in a certain way, it could tell you what their physical exercise needs might be or their mental exercise needs might be. Yeah, they're still 100% communicating with you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they might not be saying, oh... Well, actually, no. I think they are saying, like, oh, I can't do this right now. We need to do something else, right? Yeah. So, like, Perrier is a really good example right now because he's losing his damn mind. Uh, (laughs) But it's because I left the house at 1030 this morning. I just got home at 530 p.m. And he's been in his kennel all day. So if I came home being like, oh, I got to work with Perrier on this. Now is not the fucking time. Yeah. He's bouncing off the goddamn walls. So if I had come home and been like, oh, I need to work with Perrier on sit stays, I would have immediately gotten home, let him out and seen his activity level and been like, oh, that's not going to happen today. Right. (laughs) We need to go for a walk or we need to play fetch or something. But I can tell you as soon as he comes out of that kennel, based on how he's acting right now, because he keeps jumping on my fucking desk and hitting me in the face. <laughs> Obviously, now is not the time to try to get him to do finer skills. <laughs> right. Now is the time to run him and get him to come down. As he now is laying right next to me, just being like, what? I didn't do anything. <laughs> and then another thing that I was thinking about for dog communication is for most creatures, there's a survival mechanism that exists that's like, I can't show that I'm in pain. So a lot of dogs are not going to tell you specifically if they're in pain or uncomfortable, like physically or whatever, because evolutionarily, that's just a bad idea. You shouldn't show the things around you that you're not okay, because then you won't survive. But there are things that we can look out for. So if behavior change all of a sudden happens, that's a good cue to get your dog checked out of the vet. Or if they're usually quite energetic and then one day they're super lethargic, that's a good cue to get them checked out. So there are certain things that are not directly communication, but they are things that we can look out for to make sure that our dogs are okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So like if I get a client that calls that's like, oh, my dog's nine. This has never happened before, but now all of a sudden it hates my kids. 
And it's like, well, how old are your kids? Oh, well, they're seven. And it's like, okay, so this dog has lived happily with these kids for seven years. Yeah. Have you taken it to the vet? Because that's not, your dog didn't wake up one day and decide it hates the kids. Unless the kids did some shit. But right, right. <laughs> generally speaking, it didn't love these kids for seven years and then be like, yeah, I'm over it. Right. You know? Um, so yeah, the vet is definitely a, gonna be my first thing before I take that client. Like, you need to go have some blood work done and get her checked out, because if your dog has lived with these kids for long term, it didn't just decide that it didn't want to anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Or, like, dogs who start snapping at you every time you touch them when they never used to do that. That's a huge sign that they're not physically okay. For sure. That's about all I can think of at this moment for how our dogs communicate with us. Do you have anything else you want to make sure we talk about here? Nope. She's shaking her head big time at me. So we'll go ahead and take a break here. And then when we get back, we'll talk about how we can be effective communicators to our dogs. Final margarita check. Laura, how are you enjoying your non-margarita? It's so great. (laughs) We might have to rename the podcast because I feel like we should just do all cocktails. (laughs) We're not renaming the podcast because it's an excellent name that your brilliant (laughs) friend came up with. What's her name? Sophie? Uh, Yeah. Is she the one that named it? I can never remember. I thought so. I feel like that's right. Thanks, Thanks, Sophie. Sophie. (laughs) Thanks, Sophie Duncan. Well, then I'm just going to start making whatever the fuck I want every week. <laughs> that's fine. I think that's okay, but we're not renaming it. Yeah, whatever. I'm a, I'm a pair ahead, so we're keeping yeah. it. <laughs> so weird. I don't think, I mean, I know I've heard a Jimmy Buffett song, but I don't think I could name one other than Margaritaville. I think that I've seen Jimmy Buffett in concert more than any other artist. Oh, well, have to, are you like a 70-year-old woman? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> I've got some generational questions. Um, (laughs) It's delightful. I will say that if I make it again, which I'm gonna, uh, (laughs) I am not going to put in the ground cinnamon or ground nutmeg because it is overpowering. Mm. It's too much. How's your sugar plum vision? So good. I'm very (laughs) happy with it. Did you just um, make two separate ones or you just made a bigger thing? I made two separate ones. Oh, that yeah. seems like a lot of work. Just start making things by the picture like I do. <laughs> it's great. Well, I'm glad I did it this way because I there were things that I wanted to change from the first mm. one to the second one. So, But yeah, I really enjoy it. I, I would totally make it again except that I don't want to continue making my own plum syrup. Um, It's a little time consuming for me. So... <laughs> I probably won't make it again, but I would. What, like you're busy or something? Uh, excuse me. <laughs> can't you, you can't buy, 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 you can't buy plum syrup? I mean, I've never seen it before. Doesn't mean it doesn't I, exist. I mean, I've never even heard of it before, so I don't know. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how we can be the most effective communicators to our dogs. So, Laura, why don't you get us started on this one? Um, So we have a tendency to drastically overuse our verbal uh, because we are verbal communicators. I feel like that just makes things really confusing for our dogs. 
Um, obviously, dogs do learn commands or words, but it's definitely not their primary language, and there is a lot of room for misinterpretation. Um, so most people that I know, clients, friends, everyone, uh, they have full out conversations with their dogs. <laughs> like, Izzy, why don't you come do this instead of doing that? And it's like, yeah, she didn't get any of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> had you taught her a place command and you said, hey, Izzy, place, probably could have worked. But when you say, Izzy, why are you doing that? Why don't you come do this? Stop doing that. None of that fucking register. <laughs> um, so yeah, dogs don't speak English. I know you want them to, and I know you feel like they do, but they don't. Dogs are not verbal, verbal communicators, and we need to be sure that we are extra clear with our commands. Um, so there's a few things that I mean when I say that. So just being clear, like a lot of people, and this came up twice today, actually, <laughs> For me, and it can be anything, like, as long as you're being clear, it doesn't matter what verbiage you're using, but just some common ones that I run into is, like, is down, lay down, or is down, get off the counter, right? Most people use right. it for both things. Yeah, yeah. That's not very clear. Yeah, obviously, your dog understands the inflection, and they generally know they're not supposed to be doing that anyways, so they're going to do it. Like, it's still going to work for you to, to a certain extent. But they don't really know it. So if you take it out of a certain context, it, you got nothing. Right. Right. So just being super clear with that. Like for me, down is lay down and off is get off the counter. Right. And so we just have to be super clear and concise with that thing. Like one, a word means one thing, essentially. And so it gets a little dicey because every trainer is different. Right. So for me, I don't use the command come at all. Because I want them to come to their name, so I just use their name. I've never taught a dog come. I've just always taught them that, like, hey, when I call your name, that means you need to come here. Uh, so for me, recall is just their name. Recall is one command, and that is all it is. <laughs> a lot of trainers obviously feel pretty differently about that. Uh, a lot of trainers do use come. I'm not really sure why, uh, but they do. And they like well, it. <laughs> and it's not just different trainers, but it's different people. Like, people have different things that they want their dogs to do to the different words. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, when I say my dog's name, my preference is that they look at me. Like, that's that's my cue to be like, hey, pay attention. Like, if I'm like, Mooney, that's when he kind of turns and looks and then I can give him more cues. Oh, okay. So you just use their name differently. For you, obviously, if you say Mooney, you want him to come to you. But it's not like one of them is better than the other. It's just we have different preferences of what mm -hmm. we want that name to mean. And so, yeah, so that's kind of what I meant um, when I said it doesn't matter the verbiage, right? Like, so my dog sit is actually in Spanish. It's siete. And <laughs> that's that's cute. Prob that's probably terrible Spanish, and I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, they know sit, too. Don't get me wrong. Charlie's down is soda pop. Like... <laughs> Cute. We just make up dumb shit because just to prove the point of like they don't speak English. Like if you teach them a word means a certain thing, they're going to catch on. Right. Do you know, um, have I ever told you what Mooney's safety recall is? Like the word that oh, he'll God. come back to every single time. Do I want to know? It's we say spit spot like Mary Poppins. <laughs> We're like spit spot. And he just like comes fucking running. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold. But like, I feel like for me, I use 
dumb words or silly words or words that don't mean anything to prove the point of like whatever you teach like your release command could be guadalajara like (laughs) maybe don't do that many syllables but like (laughs) but like your release cue could be dragon like it doesn't fucking mean anything yeah but if you teach them that hey every time i say dragon it means you're free to go do what you want they're gonna catch on to that like it doesn't fucking matter what the word is yeah so yeah it's just being really cognizant of what you're saying when you're saying it how you're saying it all of that stop talking in sentences just (laughs) just stop it uh my trainer used to threaten to duct tape my mouth shut Uh, (laughs) um commands generally should be singular words like instead of time to go to bed or go to your bed or go lay down just place or just bed or just crate or whatever it is but like it doesn't need to be three five words like just just one word they'll they'll learn it it'll be a lot clearer to them See, I love being conversational with my dog, so I'm probably Ugh. like your worst nightmare as a verbal communicator. But I have like no. So I have go to your bed, which means go to your bed, like it's exactly what it sounds like. But then I have go lay down, which just means go away from me, like get out of my <laughs> sight and lay down wherever you want. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to me, that would be an out command of just okay. out, just go out anywhere, <laughs> anywhere but here. Get out. Uh, <laughs> And then I also have the command, stop being such an asshole, and that one doesn't mean anything to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) So, Laura already touched on this, but I'm going to touch on it again. So, I'm not here to judge anybody. But, here we go. I mean, she kind of (laughs) is. So, this should not have to be said, and it certainly should not have to be said more than once, but dogs do not speak English or any other language. They just don't. But for some reason, it is a question that I have gotten like multiple times, like more than three times. And it's it's usually like my dog doesn't respond to no. So like what word should I use instead? And like, first of all, I don't think no is a cue. But secondly, words only mean something to the dog if we teach it. So dogs are not born knowing what no means and if your dog isn't responding to no that doesn't mean only speaks german or something (laughs) it just means that you have not taught the dog that no means anything so it's just an arbitrary noise hand signals are my favorite i love them you should use them they're really cool i try to get most of my clients to do hand signals most of them ignore me and they don't teach their dog hand signals (laughs) But I promise you it's really, really helpful. Ever I don't know why like people don't like them. I don't know. Or they're just confused and they don't think they know how to do I'm like, it literally the hand signal can be whatever you want it to be. Just like my down is soda pop. Like it could yeah. be anything. Uh it could be one finger. It could be whatever. But like I promise you, if you start pairing your commands with the hand signal, you're gonna get a better result every time. Yeah. For a couple reasons. Because one, we don't want to repeat our commands, but we can repeat hand signals all day. Generally, if you're using a hand signal, you probably don't need to repeat it because they understand it better. And they're Uh, looking at you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So it really helps bridge that language barrier of us being verbal communicators and them being visual communicators. So... It's really important not to repeat yourself and it gives us that loophole of like, I already asked you to sit and you didn't, but I can keep giving you this hand signal that you know. 
we don't want to repeat ourselves for a couple reasons. Recall is the exception for me, and some people feel differently about that. But uh, for me, recall is the only command that I'm willing to repeat. But we generally don't want to repeat ourselves because <laughs> it's not that they didn't hear us. <laughs> yeah. They heard us. They ignored us. So either they don't know the command and we need to reteach it, or they're choosing not to do it for whatever reason, which is the likelihood. And generally that reason is that we haven't been consistent. But And well, and also distraction. Like they could be distracted yeah. with something else. And in that case, like maybe they hear what you're saying, but it's like they can't focus on it. Yeah. But yeah, either way, hand signals really, really help us to, for us to not overuse our verbals and repeat ourselves, but it really helps bridge that gap so that they understand what we are asking for, because it's easier for them to understand hand signals than verbal commands. Hand signals, yes. And then also body language. So something that when I was teaching Mooney how to walk on leash, when I first got Mooney and was not a dog trainer yet and needed all this help from Lara, one of the things that helped me the most and you might have even just said it in passing. Like, I don't even know if you gave me a whole lesson on it or whatever. But I I ascertained that I should try to, to show Mooney what to do without talking at all. Once I needed to figure out how to communicate with my body language, it became easier because I didn't have another option. Like, I think some people don't try very hard on the body language because they're using verbal so much. Like, okay, don't do that. Come on, come back here. Come do this. Yep. But like, if you disallow yourself from speaking your body language is the only thing that you have and then the dog responds so much better to that yeah that's one of the reasons i like working with deaf dogs so much it's because one i can run my mouth all i want and it's not gonna distract anybody (laughs) (laughs) because i i mean still to this day i have a really hard time shutting my mouth which shocks nobody that knows me. Uh, <laughs> but I know not to overuse my verbals and I know why and I know all of it. But I still, I just can't. It's just instinct to just talk, 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 talk and try to reason with them and, yep. and all of that. So, um, and I think a lot of the time we even use verbal for the people around us, like so that other people yeah. can see that we're trying to <laughs> rationalize with our dog. Yep. We talked about this. yeah for sure so and i think too again we just can't get out of our our mindset of being verbal communicators that is how we know how to communicate that's the only way we know how to communicate for the most part and so when we have to not rely on that we're like oh i don't know what else to do we one of my clients today actually we it was the same thing i was like okay if she pulls too much you need to turn around and so (laughs) (laughs) And she asked me multiple times because I think she just couldn't, like, get the grasp of it of, like, no, just turn around and go. She should be paying enough attention to you that she knows that you have turned around and she should follow you. Yeah. If you change direction, she should be like, oh, okay. And she was like, well, are you sure I shouldn't say something? And I was like, yeah, you don't need to say anything. Like, the whole point is that we're trying to get her to pay attention to you on walks instead of just hunting the whole time. Yeah. And so, but it it took a half a dozen times for her to stop saying, okay, let's go back every time she turned around. And it's like, she understands why. It's just, we can't like click out of that, right? Like yeah. when I first started working and, and Danny kept telling me to duct tape my mouth shut, <laughs> I would record myself so that I could re- watch it back and be like, oh, okay, I see what I did wrong, blah, blah, blah. 
And I would literally stop recording and be like, oh, sweet. I only said it twice. And I'd watch it and I'd be like, oh, just kidding. I said it eight times. (laughs) Like, we don't even (laughs) know we're saying it half the time. Yeah. Because we're just so, like, in it. And we just, that's, again, that's just how we communicate. So we don't, we can't stop ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. We're just trying so hard to get them to understand what we want them to do that it's really hard for us to shut that off. Definitely. Because body language is something that dogs are constantly reading, I'm really, really particular with my positioning. So, for instance, when I'm giving them commands, I make sure that I have their attention first and that they're facing me or I'm facing them. So, again, I had a lot of clients today, so I have a lot of examples from today. But but so I dropped off Harry. They were trying to get him to sit. And they were both standing behind him and he was facing me in front of him and they kept asking him to sit and obviously he wasn't listening. And I'm like, you need to come over to this side (laughs) and use a hand signal. And as soon as they did that, obviously he sat. But people don't even think about it. They're just like, oh, you need to sit. And I'm like, look at your positioning and look at where his attention is. Yeah. Um, So your body language is super important because you can stand right next to him or right behind him and yell his name and say sit and he may or may not listen. A lot of the times you get lucky uh, because they do know the word, right? But I guarantee you if you just repositioned yourself and only did the hand signal or only said it once, they would do it right away because you repositioned yourself and got that body language into play, which again is their primary language. And then one of my best examples is just like with boundaries or or even just sit stays really not charging doorways, I think is where people kind of understand it the most. So even when I'm teaching people the door routine of like sit stays with the door, people will still because the dog's on leash usually because we're usually working with the front door. They will stand. They will have the front door wide open and stand behind the dog with the dog like pulling on leash (laughs) and they're trying (laughs) to get it into a sit stay. And I'm like. How do you think this is going to work? Do you think at some point they're going to be like, oh, never mind? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't know what you think is going to happen at this point, but this positioning will not work. Yeah. It just, I mean, maybe if you stand here for 45 minutes and and they eventually get tired or something, but otherwise, (laughs) otherwise this isn't going to work. You need to kind of create that blockade to signal to them like, hey, I'm saying we're not going through this door and then slowly ease out of the way and then coming back if they start to break again to communicate, hey, I know the door's wide open. I'm asking you not to go out of it and I will interrupt you accordingly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, a lot of people tend to stand either beside them or behind them. And I don't really know why. I would be interested to find out. (laughs) (laughs) um but using your body to quote unquote own your space which i don't love that terminology but for lack of a better better way to explain it if you own your space or the space that you're working in it is much much more effective than just using the leash to kind of drag them around and get them to understand because if we're going to argue with them which is what we're doing when we're dragging them around on a leash they'll argue all day they don't care (laughs) Yeah, well, and there's also probably this element of like, you know, leashes are weird. They kind of have to get used to what a leash is and what it means. And so just like random tugging on the leash, they might just not know. Whereas like if something is literally blocking my path, I have kind of an idea of what that might mean, you know? Yeah. Well, and especially too, when it comes to like using the leash a little bit more, it's like just that opposition reflux, right? Of like, oh, well, if you're going to pull me around, then I'm going to pull you around. (laughs) Right. 
So another language that dogs understand very well is the language of rewards and punishments. And while Lara and I don't perfectly overlap here, we do overlap a lot. So we both believe in speaking rewards more often than punishments for the most part. And you can check out episode two, which is training methods for more information about that. But when I say the language of rewards and punishments, what I mean is dogs, like every other creature basically, do things that are pleasant (laughs) and avoid things that are unpleasant. So if we can identify and control what is pleasant and unpleasant for our dogs, we can be very effective communicators. So just as an example, like if a dog is jumping all over me and their aim is to get my attention and I just stand there and I'm like, no, (laughs) like just scream no at it, nothing's going to change because no is just a noise in that situation. And no is actually most likely pleasant for them in that moment because they're trying to get my attention and now they have it. And so I've just made it pleasant to jump on me because my attention is reward here. However, if I like cross my arms and look away and completely disengage, that's not pleasant and he's not getting what he wants. So he'll try something else. And if I can time things well and give the attention, which in this situation would be the reward, when all his paws are on the floor or if he's sitting or laying down or whatever it is that that I want him to do, then he'll learn very quickly what is pleasant and what is not. So in that situation, I'm identifying that my attention is pleasant and I'm controlling when that happens. So rewards and punishments are very effective communicators. And that form of communication is often completely silent. And then that another example of how to use rewards as communication is how we both teach our dogs to get out of the crate. So like we we both have our dogs sit when they are getting out of their crate. So you have to sit until the door is open and then we say okay or free or whatever your cue is, your release cue. And the way that we do that is we ask for a sit, we start opening the door, and then when the dog's butt comes up, the door closes. So the dog pretty quickly learns that while their butt is on the ground, the door is opening. So that's the rewarding part is we're getting closer to freedom. And then if my butt pops up, then the door starts closing. And we're not talking this entire time. Like we're not saying like, no, like when the butt comes up, we're not like, no, no, no. We just close the door. And so it's completely silent, but we're working in rewards here. So we're communicating that when you're doing this specific action, something rewarding happens for you. And if you do this other action, like in this case, try to stand up and bolt out of the crate, the reward disappears. That door closes. So we don't need to say anything at all to make it perfectly clear because it already is. Yeah, they catch on so quickly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the cool thing about that is like, so for me, that's just a hard and fast rule in my house period with all dogs. Um, And because I have new dogs that maybe don't know how to sit or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, or I mean, certainly don't know a stay or anything like that. They all learn it equally because I'm not using commands. Yeah. Like, they just understand that the door opens when my butt is down. Oh, that's called a sit? Like, it doesn't matter what it's called. Like, that's kind of working backwards of, like, I don't have to teach them a sit first. They can figure it out this way, right? And then... I would almost argue that if you train backwards that way, you would never have to teach us it because they just start to learn that that action is what gets them what they want. But yeah, like if they learn that's a different conversation. (laughs) Well, if they know that like sitting gets them most things, then that's Mm -hmm. what they're going to try to get the things that they want. Well, and that's why we do sit stays for everything, right? Because then they start to learn that that's a default behavior 
uh, that gets them what they want. So then when my dog wants something on the kitchen counter, he's going to give me a sit stay and keep glancing at the counter. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's just an example, obviously, but but you can use kind of you can use that principle for most things. So like whatever behavior you want to see from your dog in this example we used to sit. But if you want to see like just four paws on the ground or if you want to see a down or whatever it is, you can teach that to get the reward like just without using words. That's kind of what I'm going for here is like yeah. is nonverbal communication is is can be very easy if you practice it. Because one more time for the people in the back, dogs are not verbal communicators. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to end on that note one more time. So I think that's that's pretty much the gist of it. Communicating with our dogs. We need to know what they're communicating with us, but then we also need to know how to communicate with them. And usually that does not happen verbally. The only time that it happens verbally is when we very specifically teach them what certain words mean. And... It's also important to note, I think we sprinkled it in several times, but didn't explicitly say it. Getting your dog's attention before you start asking for anything is essential. Like if your dog is not paying attention to you and you just ask it to sit, it's not going to sit. So getting your dog's attention, only using words that they know what they mean, and mostly relying on your body language. Those are the most effective communicators for your dog. Yeah. 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 All right. I think that about wraps it up. Our 10th episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on Instagram at Miss Lily's Dogs or on my website, MissLilysDogs.com or my online training platform, Patreon.com slash Dogs. I can't believe it's our 10th episode already. I know. That's bananas. And then our next uh, episode after this one is coming out in 2021. Thank God. <laughs> Let it end. I'm also really <laughs> excited for <laughs> for champagne margaritas. Yeah, um, great. I got. I don't really like champagne, so I'll have to find some good champagne or champagne, as I like to call it. Champagne. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at properpufferslv and my website properpufferslv.com. In our next episode, we will be drinking champagne margaritas and (laughs) talking about puppies. (laughs) I don't like them, but Lily does. Uh, (laughs) Next time on the Doggeritaville podcast. Thanks for listening to Doggeritaville. Send us an email at doggeritaville at gmail.com. Or send us a DM on Instagram at doggeritaville. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered. Or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us. <laughs>